Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. One of the keys to, like, maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise-wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. Myths, preconceived notions, deluded ideas and plain old lies are rampant in the world of running. Some uh, have gained ground because they feel spending, I believe, or others are actually true. But over the course of time, they've either been misinterpreted or blown out of all proportion to help us sort out the solid facts from the absolute, absolute nonsense. I'm joined, as always, by the multiple world champion, Olympic silver medalist, Irish athletics legend, my coach and yours, Sonia O'Sullivan. How has your week been, Sonia? And more importantly, how is the knee after the dog attack last week? Yeah, so I've had I've had a pretty good week and yeah, my knee is on the improve. It's not it's not 100% yet, but it's definitely getting there. I think it was a good week because I was able to take a step back and not kind of think that I should be doing more than I was. So I was fairly balanced with what I was doing and I I was really just um appreciating every run that I got to do and one of them was actually with a good friend of mine Manette Bizarri who lives here in Melbourne and she actually makes biscuits oh, dangerous um, so you have to do when you meet Manette you, you have to make sure you get a good run in because <laughs> she gave me some of course a lovely gift of her new new newest biscuits which and these is chocolate and raspberry oh and, god uh, but it was great so these are proper biscuits these aren't like healthy biscuits these are Delicious, <laughs> I mean, uh, over the top. Oh yeah, flavors. these are the real thing. Okay, are, right. So, yeah, really, yeah, and so, <laughs> so yeah. But we had a lovely run together, and you know, we ran around this park, and we were just talking the whole way. And sometimes when you're talking, you run to the pace of your talking, and because we hadn't seen each other for a run for a long time, we were we were talking pretty quick. So then we end up running pretty quick, and. You know, I totally forgot about my knee and that I hadn't run a, a full 10K run without stopping in the past week. And um, Fantastic. I had mentioned beforehand, I said, oh, I, may, I might have to stop after 30 minutes and walk. But, you know, there was no chance of that. Um, and then I had another rest day and then I actually went to do a park run on Saturday. Yeah, I saw this. You ran a crazy good time. Yeah, but I was, and again, I didn't look at my watch when I was running this park run. Um, it was quite small. There was, I think, about 60-something people running hmm. in a place called Bannockburn, which I would know for, I think there's a good winery up there. So I've had some nice wine from there before. It it was lovely in the middle of a forest and just really, really nice. Um, so I just jealous. ran along and I was actually distracted because there was a fellow in front of me who was running with his dog. And so once I navigated getting around him and the dog, because I'm still a little bit 
nervous now. Really? Even though I run with Winnie a lot. Yeah. I didn't run with her in the park run because she just goes too fast at the start and then I can't keep up. Yeah. And I do keep up and then I get too tired. And then once I got in front of this fellow with the dog, the dog, of course, then wanted to keep up with me. <laughs> so uh, without looking at my watch, I had to kind of maintain a steady pace to try and do- drop the man and the dog. <laughs> And so I ended up with a half-decent time. Yeah, amazing time. Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, there's no way she's injured now. And I, I have to say, I'm very jealous listening to it. Like so many people, I'm I'm struggling. Uh, I'm struggling this week. I had all sorts of plans to do my first park run on Saturday, ramp up the speed training, all the rest. But on Tuesday, after a long time kind of telling myself that it was just a niggly ache, I had to submit to the fact that the pain in my left shin is something more I don't know yet what it is honestly it is such a gutting feeling when you have to walk home from a run and admit that you're injured that like that's the that's a proper walk of shame like people are looking at you in the running gear going ah you couldn't do it (laughs) you know and you're I'm just going through in my head like how long is this going to take to heal and you know I have definitely become a little bit addicted to it where I'm not myself if I haven't gotten out there for 40 to 45 minutes most days. And probably that's the the cause of this, just a little bit of over overrunning. Uh, and I opened it up to the listeners, as you saw, Sonia, on strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman running abroad to offer their ideas for dealing with what appears to be shin splints. And some of the answers that came back were mad. <laughs> and so I did ask for people's incantations, kind of black magic and witch doctory to try and fix this. But one of the ones that came back that kind of sparked our conversation about myths and myth busting was the suggestion that I run backwards. Now, I thought this was a listener taking the piss. Like, I really did think this is someone going, I'll tell him to run backwards around a pitch and we'll all have a good giggle about this. But there is something in this to kick things off, Sonia. Have you ever heard of the running backwards thing? Um, I have, yeah. I, I've definitely, like, you hear running coaches, like, running technique coaches would talk about it sometimes and then also physios and I've heard um, my physical therapist Jerry Hartman talk about it quite a bit and it's one of those things that you really have to go out there you know planning to do it because you can't just head out the door and start running backwards um, <laughs> you're on your normal route yeah. so <laughs> I actually after uh, what day was it Sunday I went down to the beach after the park run and so the next day and I wasn't going to run. I was going to go for riding my bike. But I was down at the beach with Winnie and I decided I was going to do some backwards running strides. So I'd run backwards for about 100 meters hmm. and then walk and then run backwards again. And, you know, I'm looking at my watch and I thought, oh, I can do this for a kilometer. And uh, <laughs> so it was really good fun. Winnie wasn't too impressed because... <laughs> Dogs like her, Border Collie, they like to herd people up. And I think when they're herding, they don't like to see your eyes. So <laughs> she was struggling with the concept of backward running. She, she thought you were losing your mind. <laughs> that was the main thing. It was main concern. Mainly um, the concern is for your owner. And I did, 
I did get some strange looks down at the pitch because, like you say, I did plan it. I was down on my local sports field running one length of the pitch backwards, trotting across the other and then doing it again. But unfortunately, as as much crack as it was, and it is a bit of crack, like it has to be said, you do a fair bit of backpedalling in basketball. My my old love, uh, backpedalling was actually something that we would practice you know you'd you would practice running backwards down the court as fast as you could and you know it was a bit of crack because somebody would always burst themselves and <laughs> it just didn't help like I, I don't know if I was expecting the shin splints to disappear but I've been down a rabbit hole all week of um, different physios on YouTube telling me to do different things and I did think it was astonishing the response to the topic of shin splints in the Strava group that lots of people have had them and it seems like it is one where there is a few myths around what should be done so maybe we should start there Sonia like with with something like shin splints I doubt that running backwards is going to make them disappear or am I wrong on that we're not in one go anyway, you know, for five minutes down the field. <laughs> True enough. I think, you know, I think speaking of myths and, you know, all these crazy ideas and, you know, all the suggestions, I think if you were to incorporate everything that everybody said, then you might notice a difference. But it's going to take a bit of time because you have to think back to when you first started to feel, oh, I've a bit of a pain in my shin here. There's something not quite right. And it could have been a few weeks ago hmm. and you've run through it and you've managed it for all that time and you know I, I've done this myself with lots of different injuries and then it will often get to the point and you say to yourself this isn't quite right I've got to go and find out you know is there something really wrong here or is this something that I can manage and that's what I did last week with, when I went to go and check up on my foot I just wanted to get a definitive answer so I booked into the physio and she actually sent me for a MRI scan and I just wanted a you know a black and white answer because I had enough of the gray area Mm. and the kind of messing around with stuff and it turned out that yeah there's loads of stuff going on in my foot but there's no crack and there's no stress fracture and that's all I needed to know because I can manage the rest the rest is wear and tear and you know stuff that's been you know it's just there from years and years of running and I can manage that. But, you know, you, I think you need to get a definitive answer as to, you know, is there an underlying problem here that's more than just sore shins? Mm. And, you know, try to get to the bottom of it. So I, I think you have to find a good local sports physio who you can trust. And I've tried to ask around, but I haven't got any answers yet from yeah, a friend of mine. I, I, I will dig into it because I, I, in Saint yeah, and I have got a few running parents down at the school here who, who will point me in the right direction if that doesn't work out. But I will say one thing before we get on to our next oh, myth. Could go to the, oh, yeah. But before you go, you could go to the running shoe shop where you came across the other day. Yes. And they might actually know somebody to recommend a few people told me to back yeah, away back away from the running shoe shop because <laughs> the running <laughs> shoe shop is a is a money pit it's a money black hole a few people said well, you just, 
Just because you walk in the door doesn't mean you have to come out with a pair of shoes every time. <laughs> you can go and make friends with them and they might even have a running group that you can join in with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The plough chasers are, are going to be, are, looks like the running group will eventually join once I'm fully vaccinated. Still a little bit anxious that way and waiting on my second dose here. But before we get on to the next myth, I, I did want to address this because I know that for a lot of people that have come into contact with us about their injuries and bits and pieces, the mental side of it. And again, we referred to it the other week uh, around, you know, nursing yourself back to health, the self-care side of it. And for all the talk we did about it, Sonia, I did go a bit low. I got a bit dark about it. I felt extremely upset by it and I, I didn't think I would because you know we'd done the episode we we did this big long chat about how oh you got to view it as a road as a journey you're taking the steps you're moving forward with it but I, I, I just got a bit upset by it I think partly because you know there's the plan to run 2,000 kilometers in a year there's all this fundraising that's been done and also as you said last week there's just this knowledge that the the fitness level that you'd reach is diminishing with each passing day. I, I had to reference it because it, it was a big part of my, my last week. I don't know if I'm looking for an answer or anything there, but what would you say to that? Well, I think you you probably did something this week that will help you a little bit with this, is that you, you went and you bought yourself a bike, mm. which was pretty, I did. is a big step forward because you need alternative activities to be able to do when you can't run mm. and I think you know even on your days off I was listening to a podcast another podcast during the week and they were talking about you know strength and fitness and you know this idea of having a day off or having a rest that doesn't mean that you go and lie on the couch and do nothing because that's when you know you're going to get all these negative thoughts and things coming into your head but you need to have something else that you can do, something that will get you out there and challenge you a little bit. And, you know, because you haven't been riding the bike very much, there's probably destinations that you could say where you could ride to maybe, hmm. you know, because you can go a lot further on the bike than you ever can running. And so you could ride to explore places that you might go running in the future hmm. and, you know, set yourself little kind of targets like that that can fill in those days when when you're not running because you you do need something to fill your days and the other thing is you can you know i don't know when you're with your shin pain do you feel it when you walk as well not so much not so much but like it, it kind of comes and goes yeah because that's the thing is i suppose you don't want to say oh go out and walk if that's kind of nagging at it as well because mm -hmm. you really want to offload any weight-bearing activity that you can mm. um so you know one day you might go for a long bike ride another day you might just go for you know something fast around the block you know 5k mm. or something as hard as you can come mm. back and then do a bit of you know strength conditioning work yeah. and then go back out on the bike again so you just break up a little bit and so what you do is you use that hour that you've been giving to running you know the past few months mm. or, good few months now eight, eight months nearly and um you just use it differently and you make yourself feel that you know number one you're burning energy and you're doing something for yourself physically and mentally and you come back and you feel refreshed and energized 
not the same as running and you can still have those doubts going on in your head that you know I'm out here and I'm hammering away on the bike but is it really doing me any good but it will be doing something for you mentally I think I think so um, you know there'll be a little bit there will be a bit to catch up when you've had a few days off no matter what kind of cross training you do it's never going to be the same as running um, I think when you can mix it in is ideal so if you can mix cycling gym maybe swimming when the weather warms up a bit more if you can mix different things into your week then it becomes more valuable to you in your running week and then it's not so bad to have a day off because it's not like a day off when you're doing nothing but it's an active day off yeah i, I mean this is this is kind of leads us into our next myth and i, I guess this myth I guess a lot of these myths that we're going to talk about emanate from a different time, a different era. Or when you were a kid, you might have heard, like I used to hear in Newbridge all the time, don't be lifting weights, it'll stunt your growth. You'll never you'll never grow to six foot if you're lifting weights over your head, which was, you know, utter bollocks when, when all is said and done. The myth that I want to talk about, though, is this one that cycling's bad for you. You should, if you're a runner... You shouldn't be mixing up the muscles. When did you first hear of this one, Sonia? And and can you bust this myth? Oh, 100%. I mean, it was when I was quite young and uh, in Cove and um, in the summertime. It was actually wasn't cycling, even though we would have used our bikes to go where we were going. But we would go swimming. And it was always a big thing to go swimming in the sea. And as a runner with some races coming up in the community games or local sports and, you know, the people would say to you, oh, you shouldn't go swimming. You'd be using the wrong muscles and <laughs> using different muscles. <laughs> It'll affect your running. And, you know, we were hardly swimming. You know, I don't I didn't think we were putting our head in the water and, you know, going around with a few uh, any fast strokes or any fancy strokes or anything like that. It was re clearly... A dip in the sea. Yeah, dancing and, around um, in the water, know, splashing each other. <laughs> messing. But that was considered swimming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, getting in the water was swimming. So you couldn't do that if you were a runner. But yeah, no, that, that is definitely, I think that's nearly in the old wives' tale category rather than a myth. <laughs> yeah. And I, then, of course, years down the track and, you know, you have triathlon and swimming and cycling and running and they all complement each other if, if you can coordinate it properly and manage it properly and, and use it you know to your benefit so yeah no we will definitely cross that one out yeah so so but underlying that myth is the idea i guess that there are certain activities that one shouldn't do because they will negatively impinge upon your running now when i was playing basketball there was a certain amount uh, to be said for not doing long distance running we were warned off it because they said it would take away from your explosive speed and that you didn't you want to be quick off the mark you didn't want to be you know Sonia Sullivan on sports day <laughs> in the mo in the mom's race is there any activity that we should kind of avoid that mightn't might not actually be helpful to us if we're training for a bigger race well, I mean, one thing I suppose that you have to think about it is that there are activities that you will want to do and you'll need to do that will, in the short term, they'll negatively impact your running. So something like going to the gym and doing a heavy weight session, 
I guess in the long term, that's going to help you. But if I'm doing that today and then I'm going to go and try and run around the track tomorrow, I'm probably going to feel a bit slow and heavy and not great. And then sometimes you might get away with it the day after. But two days later, you will barely be able to raise a jog around the block. You know, it's just that it does. You are you're using specific muscles, specific like you're you're working them hard in a different way. And so I think sometimes you have to accept certain things. And even if you go and do a long run or a hard run, it's going to affect what you're going to do tomorrow. So I think if you can mentally process and expect that and you adjust your pace the following day, then then you can put everything in perspective. So then it's not a problem. And it's a bit like when people are you know, preparing for races and they're continually easing off for the races. So they're always backing off towards the end of the week because they have a race coming up. But then you're getting less and less fit because you're doing less and less training. So sometimes you have to train through certain races. So, you know, things like 5Ks and 10Ks, even a half marathon, you can use it as part of your training if, you know, your main goal is a marathon. And you just have to accept that you may not run your your best in these shorter races, but it's all part of the training and they're all going to help you to get the best out of yourself when it comes to running a marathon. Excellent stuff. Okay, well, let's let's take a myth from you. We'll go we'll go back and forth. You do a myth. I do one. Right. So what's the one that you want to bust first? Okay. well, there is is a thought or I suppose people often say that you have to carry a drink with you. And when do you have to carry a drink or how far do you have to be running to bring a drink with you? Now, I would say rarely would you have to carry a drink with you, particularly if you're in Ireland, if you're in England, maybe in the summertime and, you know, when it gets really hot in July and August, you might need a drink. But, you know, I think having need that having the need to have a drink, and we see this all the time with kids going to sports events. They're con- everybody's bringing a drink bottle these days. Yes. I mean, I was trying to remember there one time. When was the first time that I actually brought a drink bottle with me <laughs> to any event or to training? Mm. And there would have been a lot. I mean, I know when I was training in the nineties, you know, at a high level, I don't think I ever brought a drink <laughs> to the track with me. Really. I really, I really can't remember bringing a drink with me. I mean, you might have got one when you were there. But I think the main thing was to be hydrated before you go. Mm. So you've drank plenty the day before. You have it, like when you have your breakfast in the morning, you make sure that you're not just having coffee or tea, but you also have a glass of water. And then if you're training later in the day and if you're working and sitting around you know it's a good excuse to stand up and walk and get yourself a drink of water or an electrolyte drink but i think you have to be you know hydrating throughout the day rather than while you're on the run and if you do that then you're saving yourself so much by not having to carry a drink Mm, you see so many people out with the little you know the little bottles that you can put your hand through like i see so many people and you are inclined to think Am I am I doing this wrong? Should I be doing that? Like a lot of the the trends and fads uh, in most sports are down to people thinking, oh, well, I'd be odd if I don't do this. But you really believe that very rarely, like how far would you have to be running 
for you to think I need to bring some liquid? Well, there, there, there definitely is some talk to the fact that if you're going to run a marathon, you have to practice drinking if you intend to drink during the race because you have to practice, you know, getting the drink inside you and digesting that. Now, I think that's probably more for the high level runners who are going at a high speed and than most people who are running, you know, three hours and beyond. I don't think you need to be practicing drinking. You can actually stop have a drink as you walk through the water station and then get going again and you'll probably run faster than if you try to be a bit too specific about the drinks that you're having. And, you know, water is plenty. I remember the very first marathon I ran in Dublin and it, so it was in October and it was pretty cold. It was raining. And, you know, I said to my coach, I said, oh, what will I do about drinks? Will I need a drink? And he goes, no, you won't need a drink. He said, maybe, you know, you might get a drink of water or something later on, but he said, it's not warm enough. You're not going to need a drink. And, you know, I was running around and I think about 18 miles, somebody handed me a drink, a bottle of water, and I just took it and had a swig of it and, you know, nearly choked on it, but <laughs> I kept going. Yeah. Because it is, it, it's a hard thing to do, to drink and to keep running at the same time. Yeah, especially when you're breathing, especially when you're breathing that heavily, like you're gasping. Yeah. So now, of course, everybody's going to say, well, that's why we bring the drinks when we go on our run to practice. <laughs> but I think you'd be nearly better off practicing not drinking mm. because I really don't. And then if you need, if you really need a drink, then stop and have a drink. And, you know, I will do this if I'm out on a long run and it's quite hot. I'll just, you know, know that there's a drink fountain out there somewhere and, you know, stop and have a drink out of it. Okay. And, well, you know, get, get, Winnie, get, get Winnie to stop and have a drink at the same time. I always stop and, you know, let the dog, Winnie, let her have a drink. Yeah, it's more important but for her. I don't, I, I don't automatically have a drink because she's having a drink, but I know it's important for the dogs to, to get a drink when they're out for... <laughs> You know, a long time, and if the temperature is anyway decent. I think every time you say drink, you've got a certain way of saying drink that's very close to Father Jack. <laughs> um, next one is uh, one one for me is uh, I guess it's two, right? The the number one myth that you will hear about running is. Which is first bad for your knees. Now, I don't know why I have to say all my myths in that voice, but maybe it's because it's usually people with that accent who tend to say these things. Just be very careful. That's very bad for your knees. Your knees will be ruined by the time you're four. By the time you're 50, your knees will be obliterated. They'll have turned to sand. Is running bad for your knees, Sonia? Not specifically, I don't think it is. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people are more prone than others to get sore knees than others. But I don't think across the board that running is bad for your knees. And it, it, it's funny, it is, you know, if people stop and talk to you and they say, do you not get sore knees? Because they might have thought they'd like to start running, hmm. but they're afraid that if they run, they might get sore knees. But sure, what's the problem if you get sore knees? Then you can work out how to... You know, get them on sore. <laughs> like you know, as soon as as soon as you start running, if you have if you, anyone is out there and they're just starting to run, you guarantee that you're going to be sore. Mm. You know, for a while until your body gets used to it. Like when I ran my 10k last week and I hadn't run that far, you know, for a week, I was pretty sore the next day. But you know, it's it's a soreness I know it's because my muscles were not used to 
the running. They hadn't run that much on week or at that pace. So you kind of just accept it and you realize that, okay, I've got to take it easy now and manage this. Hmm. But the and, knees You know, it's a bit though. like the doms, the doms and things that you get after gym is similar. You know, you, you just have to go and do it again and then you'll get used to it. Yeah. And I think the the people knees, get yes. scared. They, people get scared then. The people are very afraid of their knees, first of all. If you can be scared of a part of your body, people are scared of their knees. Also, the concept of runner's knee is one that, again, I think frightens people a fair bit that I'm going to develop this knee pain that no matter what I do, I won't be able to get rid of it, that I'll have creaky knees, that I'll get up out of the, I won't be able to, you know, squat down to pick up something. And, you know, I've been prone to this fear, too. And if anything, I found my knees feel a lot stronger since doing it. And part of that, I think, is down to the way that you built this up was that people are going to hurt their knees if they go about this wrongly. Is that mainly where this myth comes from, that a lot of people are either running wrong, running too much, uh, not warming up, not cooling down. And the very place that that takes its toll is the knees. I, I, well, I, I think you could get sore anywhere if you don't warm up and cool down. And, you know, if you lace up your shoes and you head out the door as fast as you can, then, you know, your Achilles is one area that's I, I would I would probably be more afraid of that than your knee. I think your knees would get sore if you're running on the footpaths a lot, you're running on hard surfaces and if you're running downhill a lot. So, you know, it could depend on where you live and where you run and you know, that you'd be more prone to getting a sore knee or, or maybe it's something that someone might have experienced when they were younger at some other point in their life that when they were running, they got a sore knee. So then they always kind of relate running to getting a sore knee. But it is hard on your body. So, like, that's the thing there. Like when I went down this rabbit hole, it did seem like there was multiple schools of thought on it and that most just came back to that, like you say, uh, running is 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 exertion and it is it is stress on your body and as you say you're as likely to be sore anywhere uh, as as the knees but again it, it's one of those ones that is it's going to persist as long as people have sore knees they're going to attribute it to their running but i think if you get sore knees you have to find out why you're getting sore knees. Like, where did I run? What pace did I run? Why did I get these sore knees? Because there's a reason behind everything. Mm. Like today, I had my, um, these muscles from around your hips, your hip flexors. Mm-hmm. I noticed this evening when I came back, it was quite sore. And uh, I reckon it's from running backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Damn running backwards. <laughs> I, when I did it yesterday for... I don't know how many minutes, six minutes or something. And then today I decided I'm going to do four more now after the end of my run today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's so and it's taking the toll on the hip flexors. I mean, so I, just by doing something different. So, you know, that's just one small thing. And I, I you know, I, I know why it's sore now. So then I'll just kind of say, OK, well, I'm not going to do that tomorrow, but I'll do it again in two or three days time because it's a muscle. It's obviously letting me know that there's a muscle there that you haven't been using very well. Mm. So you need to use this a bit more because, you know, it, it's most likely beneficial, mm. um, you know, and as long as you don't push it too much. And that's the thing with all these different myths and things 
ideas that people come out with and you kind of think, oh, I'll try that. But you have to really manage how you try it. You can't just go out there and, you know, you know, give it a go, you know, straight into it and not think about what you're doing. Yeah. They I think give, you have they give to it really a last jack method of training. <laughs> I'll just go out here and hammer exactly. it. I'll try it. And, uh, you know, that's the whole thing. People go through phases of they hear they hear someone saying this or they read about it. Mm. And they say, oh, I'll try that. I'll see how that works. And then they might throw it away and forget about it for a while. But I think if you see some benefit in something and it's worth, you know, pursuing with it for a little while to see, you know, is this any use at all or not? And then if it's not, then get rid of it. And then someone will be talking about it, you know, months or years later. And you'll say, oh, I did that once. <laughs> <laughs> it was no good at all. Okay. I'll tell so these things. They come round. They come round and round. You know. So you, you know, no matter what myth is out there, and you know that we bust it. You know, people are still going to try it over and over again because you know it, it's been around for so long yeah, that there must said. be some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And sometimes you'll come across something, and you you'll think, aha, this is some new information that other people haven't haven't seen yet. What what would be your next myth that you want to get to? Um, well, this is a big one now. This could be interesting, and, and you, you might I'd be interested to see what you think about this, even though you haven't experienced it mm -hmm. yet, is the wall. So when people decide to run the marathon, and then there's all this talk about hitting the wall. Yeah. Have you come across this? Oh, look, I'm absolutely fascinated by the concept. Like, because to me, the, the, the really um, extraordinary thing about this as a belief is that there's some kind of utopia on the other side and that if you go through this pain barrier that you suddenly feel like you can fly. Uh, I certainly haven't run far enough to experience it. But uh, what's your understanding, first of all, of the myth and what part of it is it that you'd like to bust? Well, I think it's a bit of a kind of a what would you call it? Like, it's a bit of an, it's like a mirage, I think, mm. wall in the marathon, in that everybody is out there running and they're kind of half expecting that they're going to get to a point where it's going to become really difficult. And, you know, how are we going to manage this? And, you know, this is something I've experienced throughout my life in racing is that there's a point in the race where it's going to get difficult. And it's how you manage that difficulty and push through it that determines, you know, if it's a brick wall or if it's just a straw fence, you know, and you just crash through it. Mm. And it just means that there's a little bit of an obstacle in your way that kind of makes you think about, you know, how this is getting a bit too hard here. How am I going to deal with this? Um, but I think the actual wall part of it, it's built up to be much greater than it is. Like you'd often hear people say, wow, I didn't even... I didn't hit the wall at all. What is it? What, what's that all about? Mm. And I think the more the more prepared you are and the better you can manage your the way you approach the marathon. And that means not going out too fast, then, you know, the less likely that you're going to actually hit this kind of mirage of a wall. And it, it should really, you know, when you run a marathon, you know, as the time goes on and distance goes by, you know, every step is getting a little bit more difficult. And there is the accumulation of, you know, the difficulty of running and being out there for this length of time. 
But, you know, that's to be expected. And I think you just have to, you know, keep pushing that mirage away and just accepting that, you know, it's a bit hard here now, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm still going, I'm still going. And you just keep pushing through it. Mm. So I, I think it's just a, a concept that people have talked about, particularly in the past. I'm not sure if it's as great now as it used to be, but I can just remember when anyone ever said they were going to run the marathon, that the next sentence was all about hitting the wall. And it was normally around 18 miles or something like that. And, um, you know, so then if you go into the race thinking, I'm going to hit the wall at 18 miles, then you'd be looking for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, be running around and you get to 18 miles and you'd be thinking, oh, Jesus, I should be feeling bad now. And you nearly talk yourself into feeling bad. True and, enough. Um, yeah, so just that then, I just want to just kind of reference something here that I thought was really interesting was I was reading um, our book of the month. I don't know if you're into it. I at am. All. I'm loving it. Char- Charlie Spedding from last to first. And he had a section in here and he decided that he needed to change his vocabulary and the way he spoke about his training and to get his mind to think differently so that, you know, then he'd perform better. Yeah, I haven't got that far in, but I definitely believe in this power of language. I've looked at this an awful lot, especially in terms of, in you know, stand up comedy and entrepreneurialism that we're inclined to use certain words that uh, create blocks in our mind. Yeah, so he said in here, he said, I had to change my vocabulary. I realized that if I if I change my vocabulary, I would change the thoughts in my head. And when I changed the thoughts, I would change my actions. And when I changed my actions, I would get different results. Mm, so simple. Yeah. yeah. So he went into a cafe and sat down with a notebook and a dictionary. <laughs> and he started to look for words that would kind of uh, make his training better. And he didn't want to ever refer to his training as hard because... If you were going to do a hard run or a hard session, then you would expect it to be hard. And so then it would be you'd be expecting it to be difficult. Yeah. Whereas instead, you should be just doing enough to progress yourself on a little bit more and to be satisfied. Because if it was always hard, then you'd never be satisfied because you'd always think you, you should be doing better. Yeah, it's actually in a list of uh, that that word itself is in a li- one of the lists of myths that I found. And that myth was that running is supposed to be hard, that your heart rate and energy stores don't uh, work to miles. They work to effort and time. So let's move away from the tradition and work to time and effort. And don't worry about if you ran seven miles or not, if you went out for a run for 60 minutes or at an easy pace and the run felt controlled. That's all that matters. It's so funny that that word hard can make can get your your mind to that place of going. This is not going to be enjoyable. Yeah, and it makes you a bit more tense when you go to do a session or a run that, you know, you're supposed to come back with some fast times or an effort that, you know, Mm. has worked you really hard Mm. and are difficult. But the thing is, the the more you run and the better you get at it, then hard is comfortable. And, you know, they say that, you know, you really have to work on being comfortably hard. And so that, 
your mind can accept that you know this is this is hard work it's yeah, difficult this is a challenge and it's a challenge and it's something that I can do though and I need to be able to do this and I want to do it and that's why sometimes you'll be standing on the start line and you might be nervous and fearful of what lies ahead but you have to remind yourself that you want to do this and you know you've signed up for this and you've prepared for this mm. so you know you, you you have to then kind of put all those negative difficult thoughts out of your head and believe that you know this is something that i'm ready for and i'm really looking forward to it love it i would love it and you know what we've i've got uh, some bit of news here for uh the listeners in terms of you submitting your questions to us uh i get that we're not going to get to every myth here today but uh my hope is and what we're hoping to do is to expand the show a little bit further and give you more uh in the future and one of the things sonia and i think this is going to really help for in terms of the texture of the show is that pretty soon you're going to be able to send us a whatsapp voice note with your question and we'll play that on air so it's easier for us to hear where you're coming from when we can hear your voice and what you've been through i will post the uh, whatsapp number in the strava group strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash irishman running abroad and just get in touch really easy and uh, if you get selected we'll play your voice note out and you'll get sent an irishman running abroad pin in the post we have a, an email of the week which i'll get to in a minute uh, a very very funny email from someone that uh, i've given sonia a preview of before the show but let's let's go for maybe two more myths here and one that just keeps coming up and i know we don't want to get into it for ages is just around stretching keeps getting asked. like even while we're recording here other people have come into the group and said, uh, what's the deal with with stretching? I think it's a separate episode in so many ways, Sonia, because there's so many schools of thought on it. And, you know, I think that it's kind of well understood now that you don't stand around pulling at your arms and legs before you go standing on the one spot. And that if you're going to do any sort of stretching before a run, it has to be dynamic. Yeah, well, I think, you know, stretching... I guess that's a big umbrella term as well of what it actually encompasses. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I think stretching before a run is really just kind of standing around exercises that you're doing to warm yourself up. And I think that's the key thing is if you need to warm yourself up before you go out for a run, then then it's a good idea to do it. But, you know, you have to think about the days that you just lace up your shoes and rush out the door because you've got to be back at a certain time and you know you don't even have time to think about stretching and then you wonder you know did I feel any worse that day or did I feel any better and so I think you know there's a time and a place for stretching and I think you know it, it you know it can fit into you know the category of yoga and you know alternative kind of therapies and recoveries as well that you do it when you have time to do it yeah and, and everyone's you know, different if you have if you have, and if you have any specific soreness or tightness, then, yeah, that might need a bit of loosening up before you go out for a run. And, you know, you'll be very diligent about doing that while it's sore. Mm. But then when it gets better, you more often than not will forget about that. So I think there's definitely a time for stretching and there's certain people will do it more than others. Um, many people won't have time for it. And, 
yeah, I mean, I think it's worth doing sometimes when you can, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Mm. Um, I think the, the biggest worry is for people who feel that they need to do it and it benefits them, but they don't have time to do it. That's when it becomes a bit more difficult, I think. And, and you know, if that's the case, then I think you have to build in that time into your run. And, you know, if it's important for you to be, you know, stretched and ready to go, then you have to take that five minutes and shorten your run um, mm. to get a better run out of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll obviously get into that in, in greater depth at, a, at another time, because I remember you saying to me early on the, the yoga thing, it comes under that category of flexibility and stretching. But I definitely feel since the loss of yoga from my routine that like that was where I was getting my strength and conditioning from. In so many ways, the shin splints that we mentioned at the start, I don't feel that they probably would have happened if you're in that uh, warrior pose as much as I was back in the day. Like I was doing yoga four or five times a week without any kind of cardio. It was it was unreal, especially the hot yoga that I was doing at the time. I absolutely can't wait for it to come back. Maybe a separate episode to talk about runner's yoga. We could get somebody on who who really knows the benefits of, of yoga for runners. Is there a myth there in front of you, Sonia, that you'd really love to get to? Uh, well, the one that I saw popping up, I think maybe somebody might have even mentioned it in the group chat, was about carbo-loading. Yes, <laughs> carbo-loading. Like, what would you define as carbo-loading? Uh, carbo or carb-loading to me means eating a load of potatoes before your big run the next day. <laughs> that, like, I'm such a, a philistine in terms of my understanding of a lot of these terms. But I guess it means getting your muscles well stocked with glycogen so that the following day when you go to exert yourself, you don't need to have had a massive feed that day to perform. Yeah, well, that's, I suppose, what most people would think of it as. And, you know, I think the big mistake people make is that they think when they carb load or they load up on the carbohydrates is that they need to do it the day before. And, you know, I think that they can overdo it a little bit. And so you eat a lot more carbohydrates than you normally do. And then you kind of, you've saturated the amount of carbohydrates that you need. So then the excess you've got to carry around with you. And, you know, that can only mean trouble. You might have to stop, you know, yeah. to offload some. <laughs> Which <laughs> <laughs> that's a topic that loads of people want us to talk about nobody wants to do that <laughs> yeah but like that obviously does happen if you overdo this concept and you kind of get it into your head that you're a camel of some sort a carbo camel with the idea that you can pasta potatoes throw it all in go on well when, when you do have a lot of carbohydrates then you also have to drink you know sufficient water as well to absorb it all so you're really overloading your system with food and drink <laughs> water <laughs> it's the way you say drinks on you every single time <laughs> it's, you, you really you really go into it you go you kind of go into drink you come out the other side like a water slide <laughs> say it again <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. We're not doing that now. You'd <laughs> be sounding like these Americans and telling you, to, "What's that number after two? 
<laughs> I'll be getting all that next week now again. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know if you want yeah, to tell us about your, your plans, but we, we will be recording at a different time uh, from next week onwards. This, the episode will still be coming out when you expect it. You'll still have it in your ears on a Tuesday for your run. But w- what's the plan from here, Sonia? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going on a, a little bit of an adventure later in the week. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to America. So, um, yeah, I'm going to work with one of the Nike professional teams over there, athletics teams. Brilliant. Um, based in Portland. Um, but, but more importantly, I'll get to um, catch up with um, Sophie, hopefully, because she's my daughter. Sophie is um, at University of Washington in Seattle, which is just two and a half hours away. So, um, Fantastic. yeah, that's all. A big part of the attraction of getting on a plane to America. So will you be which, you at know, the uh, at the uh, so you'll be in Portland. Uh, will you be at the kind of the Nike HQ? Like whereabouts is, is the base? Uh, exactly. I'm actually staying within walking distance of the Nike headquarters initially. Wow. Until I find my feet and work things out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's exciting, but it's also, you know, a bit daunting mm. coming from Australia. It does feel like, you know, you're jumping into the fire <laughs> going to yeah. America these days. That's it. But, That's um, it. Their vaccine rollout has been bananas good. And I'd imagine that up there they won't be taking any risks in terms of blowing these in, these Olympic hopefuls chances. What would be then? Would there be any names you could tell us of people that you'd be coaching? Yeah, so I'll be in the group that's, um, I'll be an assistant coach to um, Pete Julian is the head coach. Yeah. And so he coaches a number of American athletes who will be going to the US Olympic trials. So I'll be going down there with them. And then also there's an Australian athlete, Jessica Hull. And so, yeah, there's people like um, Raven Rogers, who runs 800 meters, um, Chris Engels, 1500 meter runner. So any of the listeners out there who, you know, follow the sport at mm. the top end will will know the group that um, I'll be linking in with. So, yeah, no, it'd be interesting for me to, you know, meet these athletes and, and you know, for me to learn, I think, you know, uh, the training methods and because I know people train differently now and I know strength and conditioning is of greater importance mm. than purely running. And, you know, it's, it's of great benefit. So I have, a, I have a huge interest to learn more about that and to, you know, be a part of this team. Well, I can't wait to get the kind of the diary of this experience and to each week check in with you as things ramp up towards Tokyo. Uh, you do need to get to our email of the week from uh, Louise Barnwall. Uh, she says, hi, Jonathan, Sonia, love the show. Had to give you the Pat Kenny moment there, she says. (laughs) I'm writing in because I have a problem with my runs. My friends have been slagging me recently, saying my runs, when viewed on the map, are a little phallic in shape. Completely unintentional, I promise. I've attached some examples and she's not lying. Well, I signed up for the Cove run the other day and I went to upload my results after the run this morning and I got an error message saying image contains adult content. (laughs) And I just was like, what the as I got this email, I sent it on to you. And I think we laughed about it a lot more than we're laughing about it right now, because truly 
Louise, this is shocking stuff that I didn't know was written into the uh, the algorithm of of Strava. I wasn't trying to upload a photo of me running in the nip, she says. I swear, don't mind the times the runs I've sent. I'm a slow coach compared to everyone else on Strava, but I'm really new to running with family commitments. I find it hard to get out there. But when I do, I am making progress very slowly. Keep up the great shows and can't wait for uh, the next episode. Regards, Louise. Have you seen the images in question, the offensive images that Louise has sent us? <laughs> I did see a few before we started to talk today and uh, yeah, definitely worth a visit. I think Louise is looking for some more followers on Strava. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she just woken everybody up now. Yeah, gonna everyone's going to be... What is going on here? <laughs> Louise BB yeah. on Strava. If that is what her goal was, she's definitely going to get a few. Louise BB <laughs> is what she goes under on Strava. Louise, you are email of the week. You'll be getting an Irishman abroad pin in the post, which is the equivalent of the Blue Peter badge. Uh, and if you would like one, just email us irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I will read every email and if you're email of the week, you get read out and it gets sent to you in the post. We we really need to pick a, a new event now, Sonia, even though I'm a ways away from figuring out what the hell's wrong with my shins. But for the listeners, I know they're all gagging for a new event to uh, train towards. Have you spotted any or when can we expect to see a new event appear in the group? Yeah, I think we'll uh, I'll have to have a search around this week. Um, and see what's around the place. If there's anything we can link in with, mm. uh, we might have to put you in a duathlon. I think to, um, <laughs> give you some motivation for the bike. <laughs> yeah, you can go fifty-fifty throughout the week. So I had the the strangest experience yeah. buying the bike. Obviously, the bike right is a whole nother episode about cycling and trying to, as you mentioned to me during the week, replicate or do some sort of sessions on the bike. Uh, the strangest experience buying the bike, as a, just as a final note here, uh, you obviously have the option when buying a bicycle nowadays of buying a Ferrari Testarossa, which would be like, yeah, you could spend 10 grand on a bike. It's like, I did not know. I knew that lads were buying expensive bikes, but I was like, you could more. more. I was like, what? It's like, and the lighter the bike, the more expensive it is. So I eventually settle on this yoke and I mean, it's a it's it's 450 quid sterling and which is still a decent amount of money. Uh, And, you know, it arrives. We're all very excited. I have to say it is very exciting when a new bicycle arrives. It does bring you back to your childhood. And I'd read the reviews and they were all like, yeah, it's a good bike, great bike, bit of everything, very solid and all the rest. But the the tires are shite. And I was like, what? How how could that be? I'm, I'm sure it's it's fine. And sure enough, Sonia, first cycle. And as everyone can see on Strava, this was cycle, a very loose definition of cycling. This is very much just me freewheeling down the road <laughs> with Tina and Mikey. Back back wheel goes out like the back tires burst oh. just just after one ride. I was like, they weren't joking. Oh <laughs> yeah, like be pretty rare, right? For for a back wheel to just pop on the first run right on the first absolutely yeah that's a disgrace yes yeah, so asking for a new i will well i will head into halfords this afternoon and i'll let you know next week how that uh, larry david experience goes down uh, because 
I'm very bad in those situations. I don't know how you are, Sonia, when when returning items. But the Irish in me just kicks in so hard where I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. You know what? It's grand. I, I, you know what? I actually quite like the bike with the burst wheel. It's fine. I, I'll, I'll pay for all the repairs <laughs> rather than going, I demand oh, no, satisfaction. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love a good return. <laughs> <laughs> are you good in that situation? Would you be good at bringing oh, stuff back? I love it. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you know, do you ever see this fella? Um, oh, Martin, Martin, Martin's life. Uh, and the mother says to him, are you going into Cork? Will you go? Will you bring, will you bring this back to Marks and Spencer's for me? <laughs> <laughs> that would be your, I'm your not, dream. I'm not bringing anything back. <laughs> I'm heading out there. Come here, can we have a look at you? You go to town? No, I'm going to Cork. At this hour of the night? It's only five o'clock. And what are you doing in Cork? I'm meeting someone. A girl? Yeah. And where'd you meet her? Online. On what line? On the internet. The internet? Sure she could be anyone. What? She I don't know her from a crow. I do. Is she one of them transvestites? What? There was a thing on the telly bottom there the other day. About who? The transvestites. They said they could be watching or anything from that whole internet. On what program? Here to the ground, I think it was. Are them jeans a bit too small for you? No, they're meant to be like that. They're meant to be too small. They're skinny jeans. Skinny jeans. And have you any underpants on you? Of course I have underpants. Will you do me a favour as soon as you're going up to Cork? I'm not returning anything. Will you take a skirt pack to pennies for me? No. I've the receipt and all. I'm not going in there. Oh, you're too cool for that now, are you? Yeah. I think, Irish, I think Irish people are very good at... Maybe it's a Cork thing. Yeah, no. Very I... good at bringing things back. Yeah, no, Tina and I definitely struggle with this. Uh, just this idea that you're, you're just don't want to be too much trouble. Would it be? Would you're in there apologising when you're the one that did nothing wrong? But uh, it, w- w- we will. Nothing worse, you know, if you, if you lose your receipt, you know, you're oh. buggered. Then you know, oh you've yeah, got, you've got to be able to make up a really good story then they really love that one <laughs> well I'll let you know how it all goes as I said uh, email us irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you next week obviously our episode will come from Beaverton Oregon uh, in Portland uh, the Nike HQ where Sonia's going to be from for the next while really look forward to that episode and as I said join us on Strava our, our group is now a thousand strong and growing We'd love to have you on board. Suggest a guest, suggest an episode, whatever you want, but make sure to email the show. Brian Connolly is on production. Tina and Mikey make it all possible. John Marr does the extra research. And Sonia, thank you so much for another great episode. Really loved it. That was great. Good luck with it all. And uh, don't be trying out any more (laughs) myths. Yeah, yeah. Stay away from the myths, lads. Yeah, talk to you next week.
Just hold back.